Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey everybody, welcome, and it's been a minute. We finally got our, our internet up and going here at home. We uh, The move's done for us, and we're set. Studio's coming together nice, which is uh, I'm enjoying, and um, when it's done, and I said studio, like we're building on the place <laughs> to the house and everything else. Um, what it is, we have an extra room that we're calling the hobby room, so she can get her stuff done, and I can do my stuff, and then later on when the baby's older, she can do her thing in there, and that's just a room for all that nonsense and everything else. And that's a, that's a nice, spacious thing. Um, if anyone understands the joy of going from a single apartment and then an upgrade that doubles your space, what it feels like is you're in a, like, almost like a mansion type thing. I make the joke like, honey, would you mind going hopping on the tram and going and getting me a drink from the kitchen? Because it feels like she's going across town, you know? She's gone right. for a minute. And there's laughter and stews. But um that's what I mean by studio. I don't want everyone to think that, oh, yeah, we hit the lotto and that's what's going on. Nah, <laughs> if we did that, I'd still be doing podcasts and there'd be a live studio audience of some stuff going on. You know what I mean? Because I could be like that. Um, but we didn't. So, uh, But what we're going to talk about today is interesting. It is not werewolf. Um, reason being is because we're going to talk a little bit about what we do on, on the Patreon side of things to let you know what is actually over there um, because we don't think anyone's really aware of that. On a, on a personal level, I'll talk to you that that was done by design. Um, so, but accompanying me today is uh, DJ and Mike, who obviously are regulars. But DJ, how you doing, man? It's been a minute. Hey, everyone. Yeah, it's been a minute. Good work. Summer's coming along. Uh, it's that time. Heat's going in there. And every time I think of the summer, I keep thinking of that Predator 2 thing, right? Where you see Gary Busey and he's just like, oh, when it gets hot, it's out. War, <laughs> Lions, tigers, and bears don't mind. <laughs> but every time I have to explain to people, like, hey, why is it, you know, it's just crazy summer, but uh, Predator 2, everyone. I don't know why it's stuck in my head. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, ironically, I have that thought every summer as well. All okay. it takes is that one heat mirage you see, and you're like, da 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 runs through. How about you, Mike? How you doing? I see your head's attached, so you haven't been hunted by the Predator yet. No, not yet. Not yet. He hadn't got me. Um... Mostly because I'm cold blooded. Uh, he, uh, I've I've been wow. listening to that new Killer Mike album, man, and it is um, it's good. It's it's good. Andre Three Stacks gave us a little feature verse. Um, it's got that really really grimy kind of old school Atlanta feeling to it, and I play it very very loud when I drive up to work. Well, now I'm gonna tell you something, Mike, just a little bit. Um, or well, two things. I got a big question for you, but I'm gonna ask you to turn towards your mic a little bit when you talk. I mean, no, you sorry, sorry, but yeah, thank sorry. you. Perfect, brother. Um, <laughs> and now what I want to get to is the question. Both of you can answer, but definitely, Mike, I meant to do it. I forgot. And for some strange reason, I remembered now as if planned. So <laughs> that question is, I was asked in, in a chat the other night, someone goes, did you hear about Kanye West theory that they try to emasculate black men in Hollywood on purpose, black comedians specifically? Because they get to be the most popular, and how they do that is they make them do a female role. <laughs> That's not Kanye West's theory. That theory is at least as old as the day of my birth. <laughs> mm. So you subscribe to it. You subscribe to it. You no, I don't. I don't. I think it is a a convenient generalization, and there are some examples. But no, I don't. I don't subscribe to it. Bullshit. 
So here's one to give you, which, which, which hit me was food for thought. Maybe this does the same thing to everybody else. We all know who Dave Chappelle is. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. like our generation, huge comedian, right? Dave Chappelle. The Chappelle show was massive. Um, what you don't know is that what attributed to a lot of uh, why, why he left and went to Africa and got out of here in the craziness. Did you hear what they were trying to make him do on his show? That relates to what I just asked you. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Okay, so Dave Chappelle had come out and said that there's a, there's weird stuff they make you do. Now he didn't accuse anybody of anything other than this is the type of pressure he was under. As it was set up to him, he, he claims that there was a uh, director who would come on set and they would because every they do do this rumor, you know, Chappelle's in there and then like his team comes in and then writers are saying here the here's the new skits we're going to do here's the scripts here's our ideas and they bring them in and. One time they brought in said, Hey, you know, it'd be good, man. You do this, you do this girl role. And that's, that's the thing. Dress up as a woman, do some funny stuff. And Chappelle said, hell no. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not wearing a skirt. It's not what I do. That's, that's not, I don't need to do that for my humor. I'm funny enough without it. That's not me. Okay. And that was one time. There would be another time that this happens where they were serious. Like they, they, they tried that one time at the table. He shot it down. Then they tried to bring the director come down. And enter the room and basically say, hey, Dave, we need you to do this skit. Here's what we're going to go with. Everybody wrote it. It's already written in. Everyone's prepared. Everybody's read it. Everybody's ready to do it. Ready to go out there and get it done. We're going to record you doing it. It'll be great. Let's go. And Chappelle told him, man, I already told you I'm not doing it. And hell no, I'm not. This isn't happening. I'm not doing it. And so, the, you know, that's a serious talk. You had basically your boss coming in. Tell, well, he didn't have a boss. He's the boss. But, you know, you had them saying we were the ones with the money. The show could end, and and this could be the contention point, and try to put that pressure on him, and he was like, "Well, nah, it's not happening." And he's like, "Well, everyone's going to have to rewrite today, right here, because that's what we were planning." And then he goes, "Yeah, I guess we rewrite and then, and yeah. then, and then, as if convenient, they all just pulled out the backup scripts that they had planned for the day. Like that's the one they would have done. That's the there it is, and then, but that didn't happen once. Then they still asked him after the fact." Like kept bringing it up and bringing it up, and so when I when I heard that, I had heard it mentioned from a close friend had had pitched it, and I was like, okay, but he's not the type uh, to just bring it up to not. He brings it up to be like, man, this is messed up. Like, what do you think about it? That's why I brought it up to you. Because here's the segue. Well, first off, tell me what you think about that. Does that change your opinion about the alleged theory? Does that add to the fact that well, now that makes more sense? Well, I mean, look, if they can do it in the music industry and if they can do it for actors and actresses, I don't see why they wouldn't do it for comedians. People are going to try to pressure you to do it, do some some image related and sometimes some sex related stuff. I'm not surprised at all. I wouldn't have expected that on Chappelle's show, but that doesn't strike me as odd. I mean, I would also say the same exact thing. It doesn't strike me too much as odd because we had John Caddy dress up as a woman in Nothing But Trouble and he was. He was interesting as a woman. And then somehow they got Swayze, they got Wesley Snipes, and they had John Leguizamo in 2 yeah, one in that two. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the Swayze. He had the Swayze's <laughs> and he pulled it off. I'm just saying, it's a thing, I guess they just push on comedians, or at least that's what I would assume so, but uh, I'm not saying the theory is not incorrect, because of course it's the theory, but it's hard to prove it when it successfully works when you do it on the Swayze. No. That's, that's one of those things that I had. I said there's a lot of sensitivity to uh, black folk in anything. 
like the spotlight's on. If, 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 if a black person does something and they're a CEO, people are staring at that something to see where, where it falls off the, the, the typical because most, most times it does. I hate saying that, but usually there's a double standard. What, a, what black folk can do, what white folk can do ain't the same thing. And we hit a point in an era where everyone's aware of it. And so now everyone's looking for when anyone doesn't get the same and equal treatment. And when I had heard that, I was like, that's an old theory. I remember it vaguely bouncing around being said. I remember a lot of jokes and comedic jokes at that coming out and laughing at it. But I said to myself, anybody know when Arnold Schwarzenegger had to wear a dress? Not that I can recall. He might have. I haven't seen everything he's done, but not that I can recall. I'm almost certain he has. I just can't remember the name of the movie, if at all. Okay, now you're trying to think of the movie where he was on Mars. And, and, and oh, you're in yeah, for a yeah. surprise. Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah Total he Recall. Didn't, he didn't wear a dress. His character is assumed to have worn. The, it, it's not good enough that you're for, for a moment they wore it because they were sneaking through somewhere to kill another dozen people. But mm. I don't recall him doing. How about Sylvester Stallone? You remember him wearing a dress? Yes. He wore a dress for a moment to get on the back of somebody's bicycle or motorcycle. I can't remember what movie it was. But they gave him the lipstick and the glasses and the scarf and everything. He did it before. Now, uh, the movie you're thinking of, I'm almost positive the one you're thinking of is not that. Wasn't a Stallone film. Or, or if oh, it was, was Stallone in here, it wasn't him. It was his co it was his co-actor, his co-host. Okay. Now, if you remember, there was a movie where he played with uh who's the star of uh Big Trouble Little China? Russell uh, no Russ uh Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell. Yeah. 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 There's a movie Kurt Russell did where he did just what you're talking about. He played a character called Kiki in the film. Mm-hmm. And it was hysterical that he did it, but it's because it's Kurt Russell. And like with the, the talk behind, I remember hearing it as a director, like Kurt Russell pushed, definitely wanted to do that scene because he thought it was hysterical because he was labeled as an 80s trope character. Yeah. That he was always these tough ass, tough, tough SOBs that could never be, and he didn't have a sense of humor. And that's one of the ways he did it to have a sense of humor. And in that film, it more than fit because they had that idea to do the role for what he had going on. And the brother, and, and it is, I can't remember the movie, the brother of um, the woman they helped, which I believe she was popular in the 80s too. She's gorgeous. I can't remember her film. I remember her name though. She had a tie to Prince. Not Apollonia. Um, I, think, I think it was Apollonia. It, it could only be, it was either Apollonia or uh, what was the girl's name? Vanity? No. Shit. Yes. Yes. Vanity. Boom. Okay. Vanity. Okay. Vanity. There we go. Yeah. So she's in the film as the sister to Stallone and Stallone plays the uptight brother. Who's an awesome detective with the suit and tie. Tango and cash. Yes. Tango and cash. That's yeah. the Holy film. I shit. Think of it. Yeah. Ooh, yep. right there. We just went through. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. That's why we yeah. a team. <laughs> team working out. Wow. <laughs> Um, so, but that in that, in that film, that's I don't I don't think that counts because it's it wasn't Stallone who did it and whatnot. But the point is, is that it became an interesting thing to go back and think of. Well, who were the iconic male figures that were labeled as the diehard man's man mm. that couldn't do that? But then it was fun to make these comedians do it. And the answer is why. Now, Eddie Murphy is an interesting comedian of choice because it could be me. I'll ask you because I, I can't think of where he played a female. Well, Eddie Murphy has had some jokes where he was being effeminate for humor's sake. Right? So it's not 
it does not mean the same thing for a guy who occasionally does the exaggerated effeminate behavior to then put on the 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 uh the dress and the lipstick right it's not you're not as wrong foot when he kind of does that thing as part of his comedy anyway okay okay so what you're saying is it wouldn't have meant anything if he did it because he was already right and you, you get wesley to do it <laughs> blade <laughs> art of war wesley that that's something else that's <laughs> but here's the thing though. Too long. here's yeah, the thing exactly. though wesley snipes one might say can't act but but right like good luck that that's all i'm saying now what about the what about the great african actor um that that is in everybody's mouth he is nick fury samuel l jackson i can't think of sam jackson ever uh ever dressing up like a lady and you know why because he never do that shit what's it say on his wallet bad motherfucker right it doesn't say I wear skirts. That's what it don't say. <laughs> however, however, I will go on a limb to say this and defend him. I think it's because it would be hard to put him in a role where he wouldn't make it overly funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he could up. hold the character of the female he played. I think he could play a female. I think he could play a fantastic um older black woman that he was pretending to be. And then that was that was the case. Like he could carry that character, but at the same time, he wouldn't do it very long. Also, we don't like seeing him in that capacity. The fans, I think, dictate where your character is and where they most popularly want to see you. That's that's my theory. I think that's where it comes out. It's like, what do the fans respond to? And in the case of uh, even Dave Chappelle, it'd probably be an argument between him and I to go, you were known in Chappelle's show, but what were you known outside of that? Hmm. You were a stand-up comedian. Was that good enough? Like, no one's going to pay you to be in a big-time film to be what you want to be. They're going to pay you where they can use you. That's what an actor does. Like, what can you, what role can you take on? What role can you portray? And so, you know, yes, folks, this pertains to today. Mm -hmm. That's the exact Mm -hmm. point I want to ramp up to that. We, it's easy to cry and say, Hey, nah, there's a, there's a gender thing or a transphobic thing or an LGBTQ thing. Why you don't want me to do something or some role you think I can't, could play, should play, would play, wouldn't play. And you know, it's a black thing. It's a Russian thing. It's whatever. You can't write about, can't have, can't see, can't what. No, folks, it, it's none of that. It's none of that. When we argue for a hardcore book in our vampiric genre, you have to remember the maturity of your fans, the responses from them have dictated where the company's going to feel comfortable going to allow you to portray it so you don't land them in trouble. Yeah. There isn't a responsibility for them to produce fiction. They can produce whatever fiction they like and throw it out there. They really can. They've done it. That's not the problem. The problem is, is how the fans have used it. And there is now a responsibility for entertainers to understand it's how your shit is used is going to determine how you can do more stuff because that sets a, a precedent for law. If you, if, if I did something and if I did a podcast and someone killed themselves over it and I turned around and continued to do that podcast, you know, the same setup, I didn't change anything, didn't address anything and kept doing it the same way. That's I'm liable. Right. Cause that's going to say that I knew what would happen from it. And that's the result. And that's, that's what goes on. Now I say that harsh, you know, if, if not incorrect, you're the loyal, I'll leave that to you, Mike, but I'm kind of <laughs> setting that ground that that's what we've seen with, with like Disney and other, other big companies like that. That's why Disney does Disney didn't make anybody commit suicide. DJ, I saw your eyes. What I'm saying is my point is <laughs> Disney for me though. Jesus. 
<laughs> Disney's directions along the same lines of any company. Here's what we can get away with, and here's the line, and here's what we're trying to portray. And they don't leave their wheelhouse formula for that, and that makes them a dynamic company everybody's heard about. And they've taken some heat, even from me, about The Little Mermaid and other, in other movies that you could see that. But they, they're not in the wrong. I want to defend that. They're not in the wrong for doing it. I just said it's a little interesting, but their reasoning was sound. It's based in the region. Ah, perfect. Thanks, Disney. High five. You eliminated any ability for me to do anything but make shit up if I had an <laughs> argument, right? Because you can make up an argument. People can always find some. Uh, but to roll it forward, why does this bring us to what today? Sabat packs. It's plain and simple. Um, a lot of folks, uh, V5, boohoo, they want a direction we did. Well, I don't, I don't care about that. You have feelings. It's great. We're not going to address them because personally, I think a Sabat pack is a Sabat pack is a Sabat pack. The Sabat sect is what it is. That's not your issue. Your issue is not where they went with that book. Your issue is, do you understand what the Sabbat is? And I'm going to tell you why I don't think you do. I'm going to challenge everyone listening to this right now. You say, I know what the Sabbat is. It's chainsaw ripping. It's people jumping in a Dunkin' Donuts and killing everybody because the dozen wasn't right. And death and a soul guy is going to come through the door and stand there and look at everybody die because he wants to see if their soul transfers to a donut hole. And, <laughs> and while he's doing that, the guy in Feral Heart says, I had to kill three or four people because they reminded me of that squirrel back when I was a kid who stole my favorite <laughs> peanut butter <laughs> sandwich and ran in the woods. And so they paid the price. And the Nottis came in and said, now that they're all dead, now you know the price that Cain paid for Abel's death. And he drinks blood out of someone's skull, talking about a sermon. That is uh, not the Sabbat, right? I'm sorry. That's that something someone gave you the impression of. And I would argue if you have those feelings, you've never played Sabbat. You never even tried. You heard someone's attempts. That's forgivable, but that's not even where that is. Because people hear villain, they hear vampire, and they assume it has to be over the top and immature. And that's, and that's where you would get it wrong. Now, mm -hmm. I've heard on, I've watched a talking head projection of a, of a company or two, you know, from, uh, well, you name it. The, the, depending on which one it is, you know, it, everyone who's done a vampire book who's now done a podcast has done it to make it neutral to where there is no right or wrong way to use the material you're given. This my motherfucking show, and I'm gonna tell you straight up: yes, there is. That kills yes. me. Yes, there is. It right? fucks me up personally. Just to even think about it, because it's like, why put out something at, at that point? They're like, listen, I'm gonna give you a white sheet of paper. What you choose to see on it is your paper. But then why not buy the paper? <laughs> my man. My well, I'm man. just saying, but like, why not buy the paper then? In that case, if you're just gonna give me, if I could do that, you know how much money I'd be making out there? I could just put on OnlyFans right now. See, it's a blank screen. It's like, yo, whatever you want to see, that's toe right there. Maybe 50 bucks. <laughs> it legit fucks me up. And I'm just like, man, when we get to, oh man, I'm tight about that. I'm really tight because it's like, I bought a book because I know that this is the world I wanted to engage in. These are the stories and these are the characters about it. So if I'm playing in that world, then let me live within that world and these are the confines of the world, right? That's like saying, let's go ahead and play a game based on Judge Dredd. You're going to go out there and be like, yo, I'm a pacifist. Judge Dredd from knocking on your door, judge your executioner. It's the isopods, or you're going to get a 50 to the head. They know about it. There is no peace. Or I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got to stop. No, 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 no. Who's stopping you? I don't get, ain't nobody stopping you. Like, you got that. Feel that out. That's right. So, I guess, you know, bringing it back to real when it comes to the Sabbat, same thing kind of happens. It's the exact same thing that Bob was talking about that you start thinking about what you think a Sabbat should be, but then it becomes caricature. 
right? Now it becomes character. Now you're looking at Saturday morning cartoons and you're taking a look at, you know, how we used to portray people, especially blacks at one point or another, big lips or anything like that, because that's what you think it should look like, right? But it does it in such a goofy and insulting way that sometimes I feel that, you know, for games that I've witnessed and or participated in, and you see that person just go a hundred percent like Paul Bunyan just to become really, really exaggerated, it kills immersion for me. And I think, especially as it comes to the Sabbat, we seem to tend to want to do that more with them than we seem to want to do it more with the camera on the side. And I think that's something that either we didn't pick up the first time we read the Sabbat or we were introduced to it. So was it nature versus nurture? Like, what are we looking at here? And then and to answer that question, uh, just to back up what we're saying is that there is a right and wrong way. Why we feel that, if you've never seen the first edition Sabbat Player's Guide and the Sabbat Storyteller's Guide, this is where everything comes from. All of this. Because before that, they were just villains in a book, but they were done in such a creepy way. That if the, you saw the, the leavings of the Sabbat, the, the terror they bring, and the suspicion, and the hype to the Camarilla. And for a lot of old-time players that never played anything but Camarilla, you know about those guys. And you would comically say, because you heard it in every game you played and every ST mentioned as the prince or whoever, oh, the Sabbat are children. They'll never find what they do. Just send the sheriff up. We'll take care of it. Yada, yada, yada. And I contest that person doesn't have a bone in their head. They never huh. sat back and thought about the Sabbat and how they would actually deal with a city that that idiot's in. Now, why I say that idiot, I mean that in mentality, not the person. If the person never knew and never cracked a book on Sabbat, they're not going to know. And that's the image projected exactly the Camarilla enforces. They don't want you ruling in fear. They want you to believe the Justicars are always around the corner with an army of Archons. They want you to believe that any trouble the Sabbat brings, the Archons are out there fighting this war and winning it in the open. But that is not how these two organizations fight each other. That is not how it happens. Now, to understand this dynamic we're pushing towards, um, if you do what I said and you go to read that player's guide to the Sabbat, that first one, first edition, there is an urgency the writers went through that book with. You could tell. Filled with typos, sometimes misdirections, but they wrote with their heart. They wrote with a passion. And that's why that book was so freaking popular. I've bought that book the most. I had eight of those physical books in my library. Now, that why? Is, that is the one with, with, with Big Homie with the red face and like the triangle chin and the wonderful oh, smile. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. All right, and to yeah, me, yeah. that picture was great. I, I once had players debate why it's, why it's bad. And it's because I took people who were pro Camarilla players who never would play Sabbat. And I told them, you give me exactly one month. And for that one month, that first week, you read a book I'm buying you. You read the book I'm buying you because it's the player's guide. That's what you read. You read the section about the views of the other clans, the views of the other sects, the views of the other creatures. You get through all the rumor, the hype, and the circumstance because they did a good job of filtering through what Sabbat think about that and get wrong. And they, and they want you to do that on purpose because it helps you formulate what it's like being in this sect and only this sect. And as you get through it, you then get to a point to now thinking about what would be your character if you're to play in this. And that's the point of the book. It washes your mind of all the stuff you've heard about any other sect, and it focuses you on the feel, the point of being a Sabbat character here and whatever you're inspired to do. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff you can get inspired off of clever quotes and you know, different angles and directions they go to. And they left it on the floor, is what I call it. You know, they're hard on their sleeve, left it on the floor, all effort. They didn't spare anybody. They also didn't have to worry about a modern audience going, you know, we feel marginalized or what they, they didn't <laughs> care. 
This is a Sabbat book. You weren't reading a book about how to make best friends. It will at least not until you get the pack section. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where they leave it. Now that book will open up eyes. Now what I did, each player got a, got a copy of the book. That's what they did. They, they read it, liked it, loved it, couple I let keep, you know, whatever. But that's because that's the, by the way, that's the benefit of going to things like Gen Con where some vendors are like, no one's buying this shit. It's $10. Yeah, sure. I'll get five, you know, move on. And that's, that's kind of what we did back in the day. And um, what was the result? I had people who had strong understanding and foundation in what they were about to play. They didn't know how to do it. Shaky deer legs on that. But when they put dots to a sheet, it was well balanced to what the book directed them in. And that's all they got to. And they were wondering if they could make it. And this sect is ultra violent. They wondered how they would do it and what went on. But the most important part, they knew that the way through was together. Because they knew they had to be in a pack. Now, each individual made a character. They hadn't discussed what they're going to be in the pack, but they were prepared for the conversation because they knew to play this game, we are in a pack and the other players are a part of it. That's how it went. So in a makeup guideline that does that, you know that's how it's going to be. There is a wrong way, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) with that hell yeah and DJ's growing grin across his face remembering that what wrong ways have you seen seen this go uh more than once <laughs> i have seen some bot packs that are like entirely made up of dudes who are supposed to be in their own movie right <laughs> like it's it's not an ensemble movie that the character is written for it's I have these friends who hang out back at the communal haven, but really this show's about me. <laughs> so not making space for everybody else in the pack. Um, in case <laughs> folks don't know what that means, can you extrapolate a little bit? Um, yeah. There's a step when you're putting your pack together. And I, I've recently seen two strong examples of it. One in play, one preparing for a game that's coming up. Where you guys have to include like this conceit. It's like everybody has to be in on the joke about what the pack is for. Because we can we can say we said we were Sabad and we can say we were shoveled and we can say, oh, we're buddies because this is what we've been through. Um but like if you're on paths that are uh, naturally in conflict or one guy wants to spend his time stabilizing the sect because he focused on disorganization and the other guy wants to lead the pack down a journey in vicissitude so that we can like <laughs> better be able to fight the enemy and and the other guy wants to raise hell specifically hunting down the 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 buried ancients right the southern lords you don't you don't have unity where you need unity and so you're going to end up building a pack that's made up of clicks right where two people want to do this and two people want to do that and two people want to do the other thing. And there's maybe one guy who uh, doesn't really care what we do because he just wants to play Sabat. And you can always justify for yourself how it will work before you start playing. But then as soon as you get in the game, that unity of purpose exposes itself when you start trying to figure out what you're going to do or who you're going to support. Or you get into those moments where the pack should support one player or another in a decision that they make, but because they're not unified, they don't even recognize that they fucked up and left their pack mate just hanging out to dry. 
Mm. What about you, DJ? Is that similar or did you have a, have a different one? Two of them. I think to piggyback on what Mike is saying, I think in retrospect, I start thinking about how people create characters and they think about them and they start creating characters as if they were creating Camarilla characters. Because when you think about what the coterie is, it's a coterie of convenience, right? Convenience and need. It means like at any given moment in time, all right, we're done with this job. I could always walk away or I have my thing going on, but I'm stuck with you because my sire told me to do so or otherwise. So the dynamic of play at that point is all right to be antagonistic because you're going to do your own thing. I'm going to do my own thing or we're not going to get along with each other. Screw it until we need each other. But that cannot exist in the Sabbat pack, right? Or, and the reason why is because you have, as, as Mike was saying, there's a unity of goal to move forward. Another thing is people also, and maybe it's just the way that most role players normally get into stuff is I'm going to create the character from my vision and we're going to Dungeons and Dragon this the exact same way we do all the time. I got my character sheet, character sheet. We're all looking for gold. Show up at the tavern. What's happening here? And then everyone's like, okay, you do this. I do this. And then what ends up happening in play is you get the exact same situation you get to look at when you take a look at Reservoir Dogs, right? (laughs) The guy who brought them together, who happened to be the pack priest or should have been the pack priest says no one gets to be Mr. Black. And then everyone at the end of the movie just fucks themselves over. <laughs> so what we have here, fellas, we gave three distinctive ways, maybe even four here, of how to not build a pack and and, and over the top way to build a pack. Now, why I say um, even my way was over the top, because I came from a highly passionate, motivated, I'm getting a damn Sabbat game, I'm tired of vanilla. Let's Let's dive into the ultra cool horror aspect of the enemy. And that's the thing that... Uh, I want to tell you, we're going to discuss right now um, the formulation of a pack. Mike hit on two points. If you've, if you've done V5 or heard of it, you're going to vomit in your mouth when I tell you this, but it's because they got it from somewhere. When they told you have an ambition and have a goal, they didn't dream this up. This, what they did was they add what your storyteller has been screaming at you since you made your character. And I don't care if that was Camarilla, Anarch, Sabat, D&D. It's all the same. How do you make a character? that doesn't want to be something one day that they're working towards and has a current goal of how to get there. You in life, hopefully have miniature goals toward a bigger ambition, you know, to give a, give a case in point, I have a strong ambition to learn Svenska. That's Swedish. Speak it fluently. And because I have bigger things planned here for me and my children, my, my children or whatever it ends up being and wife and missus and to get along and to fit in and get the culture down. Right. That's my ambition. It's a big one. It's going to take time to get there. But my goal is to take Swedish for immigrants, which is something available to me and get through that. It's about a year. And that's a process. But that is a goal. And that is an ambition. Now, you didn't hear me say I'm trying to be the next Barack Obama in the United States from Sweden. <laughs> right. That, that could be an ambition. But then you're going to go, your goal better be a lot better than to learn Svenska, buddy. Like that's, you know, the bigger the ambition the goal has to be more oriented to a step. A goal is a step towards accomplishing that ambition. And if you think of it that way, think of it as a character. Now, real quick, if I'm a camera of vampire, my goal or my, my, my ambition in a coterie, whatever that coterie is there for, that coterie has an ambition as a whole. Everybody wants something and we're here to do that. Now, the ambition might be as simple as to support the prince in their rule. Meaning, is that obtainable? Well, of course it's obtainable, but can we support it currently as starting characters? No. It's great we want to give lip service, but actions speak louder than words. So we got to do something to set ourselves up to prove we can do that and become reliable. In other words, we need to have the standing that we can do that specific ambition to where we're known to support that. And we're troubleshooters. So 
our goal is to now, well, get involved and do a better job than the sheriff or the harpy or both. But we're doing it without asking for anything. It's a boon system, but we don't ask the prince anything. We want to show the prince what we can do. And that's the point in that coterie. Well, when I make a character, yeah, sure, I agree with what the coterie is there for, but I'm going to have a different set of ambitions. I'm going to help the coterie work towards that ambition because that's why I'm in it. However, my goal is to become really good in investigation to beat my ambition of being the sheriff. I think the sheriff's trash and I have beef with them and I'm writing my character that way and I want to replace that guy or supplant that guy or whatever role it is. In the camera, it's dog eat dog always in politics and someone always feels that they could do something better or want something. Whatever that is, that's an ambition. My goal is to support the coterie towards that end. And then you can see it clearly. That's something you guys can understand. But that's how you should build your character. Whatever character you had in mind, whatever, and everybody does this. My character had a sire who saw him in a coffee house one night. And there he was. He got a double latte, no cream, no sugar, and he, he brought it to him. And as I was about to drink it, my sire said, but wait, there's milk in that. And I went, oh, you're right. Thank you. I need something else. And my sire knew I was the one for him. <laughs> and then mystically, I was embraced and he brought me into a clan and showed me a better world. Blah, blah, blah. By the way, he's a Methuselah. Blah, blah, blah. And I have resources <laughs> of five and blah, blah, blah. Some grandiose way of how they build their power fantasy to be some super secret special thing. But as Mike said, did, did you write this for your book? <laughs> you trying to show me your little book and in your little book, nobody's in it but you. And that's all you care about because that's what it sounds. And that's how you know that maybe your idea needs work. Now, if you play the methods this group has talked about. And we have. We've talked about it numerous times. Maybe you folks haven't heard of all of it. But that is because... Sorry, I was adjusting the thing here. Um, that's because a lot of what we get into, that isn't just book review, we do on our, for our patrons. That's on, a, on Patreon, and we have a show we do there extra called Opinionated. A lot of that is where we get to the minutia of what's in books based off topics our patrons funnel directly to us that they would like to hear extrapolated on. This is actually one of those topics that we're releasing just so everybody can hear the type of flavor that we do. Mm. And I told you in the beginning, I had a reason for not wanting to do this for a long time. That reason was simple. I had to justify the fact that folks wanted to hear it. That's, that's what it came up to. Doing a review for a book is one thing. Doing a review where you want to hear my opinion on something, that's why I called the show Opinionated. Let you know, there's a lot of opinions on a topic. This is mine. And if you like that flavor and you want to hear more and it helps you see it, I got a team. We come together. Sometimes we're on there. Sometimes it's just me. And we just, we just do whatever. We, we talk about these points in hopefully allowing you to make your mind up about how you want to do it and what you want to do with it. A lot more than other folks got out there, I promise you. And that's <laughs> the point of it. And so pertaining to what I just made, that comment about how you build it as a character and you can go different, um, we always have a theory that we talk about. And it's, you know, you could theory craft, and the theory crafting would be, what if, what if, what if? That no matter mm -hmm. what you put into something, you always had a what if. A what if theory crafting does not get shit done. Right? That's brainstorming with no effect. You're doing nothing there. It's great that you can think about it, but you're going to exhaust yourself on what you're not going to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do anything. Instead, the better brainstorming is to go, yes, and. 
you've read it in a book, you've heard them say it, but I don't think you've ever heard the application of it for a lot of folks. This is the application. Someone submits you a character, and it's a ridiculous one. And we're going to stick Sabat because that's what we said it's about. <laughs> and in this mythical pack, they're ductus, they're priests, they're an infernalist, and they're a rampant diabolist, but they're on humanity. What? Right? What? <laughs> so you're going to get this as a storyteller, and the, and the character tells you, I wrote 15 pages of background. Telling the life and story and history of nefarious, nefarious dark angel, the 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 destroyer, and this is what I got going on because he's the Sabbat's worst, best kept secret. He's also a black hand seraph. Okay, that asshole. You tell him no. Okay, I'm giving you an example. That person, you gate guard your game. And you tell them no. That's someone who didn't care about your setting, your story, your city, or the other players. You tell them no. There is a time to say no. That's an example. An extreme one. But why you hear chuckles from DJ and Mike is because we have directly seen this approach of people who thought that is getting it done. It is not. It's like, if you want to play an Infernalist, Cool. That's a that's a good background you can start on. But in the Sabbat, that's dicey. There's an Inquisition and some other things. But we could see what you like about that, and we could see where it starts and what you're looking for. Because we could yes and that. And Infernalist, we can talk about how are you hiding it? Where did it come from? How did you become this? How does nobody notice? That's that's all viable questions for a person looking to play that with the mystique and the occult added. However, what if they want to play a rampant diabolist? Well, it's the Sabbat. There is such a thing as rampant diabolism. It's called when you diabolize for no purpose and no reason. Um, well, we put you down. <laughs> what? Put Bob into some You can bring the opera every day. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's put a pin in that. And uh, let's talk about the mechanic of diabolism and what it does to even Sabbat. Right? When we diabolize, we automatically lose one humanity. And if we're already on low humanity because we're uh, part of the Thrill Kill cult and we participated in the opening Dunkin' Donuts analogy Bob used, then <laughs> we're pretty low on humanity. We're probably at like a two. So we could, what, diabolize twice? Right. And then we're in the wassail. Now, if you know this, folks, maybe you don't. But I'm going to tell you. Um, the Sabbat kill vampires in the wassail. Because all those wassail vampires do is run around, hunt, and kill things with no purpose, no direction. And that includes the Sabbat. <laughs> so, well, that's getting it wrong. Well, well wait a second. Well, then how, how do they deoperize like they do that? How do they get away with it? They're always deoperizing. <laughs> it goes, well. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, Mike, please. I was waiting for either you or DJ to come in just, and save me from my I'm story. Just, but, you, oh, it's just... Look, PTSD. They don't <laughs> they don't diabolize half as often as the Camarilla tells you they do, first of all. Second of all, you're supposed to have a spiritual leader in your pack who says, Hold on there, buddy. Looks like your stomach's full. <laughs> Looks like your stomach. <laughs> Excuse me, little stupid. Didn't you eat the other guy? <laughs> Calm down. There's a there's a process for this. We're gonna get you there. But you need to take a pause. Right. <laughs> so there's there's things to get into, right? That we're going to do with further opinion as this opens up. We're going to discuss the Aubrey on an entire episode and talk about the ins and outs of it. We're touching on it now that it's a misconception that players have that they're making something that has to be 
prepared to rampantly diabolize and ruin themselves. No, no, you don't. It's also the majority of the Sabbat are on humanity. They say that to the modern. They're on the low human. They don't have time to put everybody on a path. Paths do exist. Those scions and people who have transferred successfully are your older vampires, your veterans in the Sabbat who've gotten there, and they look for pupils, but they don't look for pupils like, pardon me, have you heard the second coming of Cain? Here's our fire. Come out to the church to hear more. That's not how it's done, right? They're looking for a specific thing to join their way of thinking. Now, now, why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you quite frankly, it's the same reason why you don't see just anybody jumping up and playing in your role-playing game. When you're recruiting, you got to feel people out a little bit. Do they want to play make-believe? Do they know what that is? Do they want to act? Are they intimidated? Do they know about theater? Do they? That conversation needs to happen before you're like, hey, you guys busy on a Friday night? I know you just met me and my wife, and we just moved into the neighborhood, and we got some crazy <laughs> ideas going on. And you know what we do for a living, but uh, did you know we play vampires on the weekend? <laughs> Why don't you come out? We have a book. We'll give it to you. You too can be a vampire. We can go out and suck blood in the name of Cain for everybody and ever. <laughs> What's going to happen is there is a silent divide that you have just created where that couple goes, we have no idea what you're talking about. We do know what a vampire is and you pretend to be them. I wonder what crazy idea goes in the head of people who get that <laughs> approach, which by the way, I've heard directly people try this approach and I've had to explain <laughs> to them. This is why that person doesn't call you back. Neighborhood watches who they're calling. <laughs> they're just letting you live your life. It doesn't matter that you explain to them. No, no, no. Let me now feature dump and blab to you. The important nerdy half of the game where you take a book and make a character, a sheet of paper. And it's all make believe. And they go, you just make all this up. Like, yeah, well then who controls what I do? And then <laughs> typically, and in that tone, I immediately get, here's a person that doesn't ever let up control in their life. In order for them to have fun, they got to be drunk. They got to get lit, keep it crunk. And even then, they ain't trying to be a vampire. They're trying to do some other thing. You know what I mean? And they're, and they're off. They need an excuse to do some shit like that. They don't know how to just letting up and do that. And you got to you approach those people gently. You got to wait till they have usually a common thing they're into or a story that kind of hits on. Like, oh, man, I like a lot of vampire films. Oh, do you really? You ever wonder what it'd be like to be one? Yeah. Wow. Well, what if I told you there was a way you could do that? <laughs> Look on, Bob. What you talking about? I, I'm just saying, what if there's a way you could harmlessly do it with a group of other people who kind of do the same thing, but it's all acting. It's characters written, no script needed. It's all improv and you can get into it. That's my ace conversation. Because it's never failed. Every time I get people to go, Ah, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, uh, I have to read up on it. Is there somewhere online I could look? Boy, howdy. How about listening to a podcast? (laughs) Even better. And, you know, I line it all up at that point, and then you get it going, right? And uh, that's been almost every, well, not almost every time. So far, I'm up to eight. I had that conversation since I started potting that it's uh, been slam dunk, and people give it a shot, and they usually love it. Um, But to your Shabbat pack, to, to rewind it back, we were taught discussing right and wrong, wrong ways is where we started segueing, getting off into other things. And I want to bring it back to exactly where we're talking about the construction of a pack. If you know how to build your character's goal and ambition, you know how to discuss your pack's goal and ambition. Your pack's goal and ambition doesn't come first. Your character is completed first. That means you have your reason that you're in a pack, although we're not discussing the pack you're in. Important bit of information I just gave you there. <laughs> you're supposed to be a team player in a pack that's a given let's pause 
complete your character with that in mind. Now, you have your character's ambition, your character's goal. This character should have been made based on the setting given to you by the ST that you all have already discussed. You, in other words, know the game you're getting into, you know the character you're building for the game. And because of that, all right, we're done. Now, I don't care what room you sit in with that are going to be the players that are part of your pack. Because you get in the room and you sit down, and the ST is going to say probably these two things, because I would. All right, we have Mike and DJ who want to be, both want to be ductus, but nobody wants to be priest. Would one of you mind being priest? Hmm. And, you know, my, my hearts, our hearts are set on ductus, and I go, great. We have our first cool contention moment seeing how this group actually adjudicates and deals with, um, well, conflict. And it's polite conflict. It's both want to be leader, both think that ductus means something. Let's see if I can figure out as a storyteller, what they think ductus means. And so right now, let's go with that scenario because I think it's fun. And after all, it's kind of improv, isn't it, fellas? We've done this. Yeah. Yeah, too many times. Let's mythically say in your head you can do whatever. You're two people that want to be ductus, okay? Um, But your goal is whoever goes first that I pick on, the other person has to have an opposite reason to be ductus. And let's see where that goes, okay? Hmm. Um, So... DJ, we're going to start with you because I like being cruel to Mike and usually, you know, <laughs> usually, you know, age before beauty or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, Mike's a beautiful man with his dreadlocks. I don't know what to tell you. So um, go for it, DJ. Why would you see? And, and by the way, it's OK if you're trope. If you're yeah, like, I'm a no ductus, blah, blah, blah. don't right. don't think too hard. But why would you be ductus? I want to be ductus because I want to be able to call the shots and lead the group. And I feel that if you follow me, it's really following myself, but I feel more comfortable knowing that everyone's going to fall in line doing what I need them to do. All right, Mike, why do you want to be Ductus? Uh, I want to be Ductus because the Sabbat is, uh, is a dangerous place to be. And uh, you need a, a experienced, wily veteran like me to protect us from on- to only be in the fights that matter. Okay. Okay. So, Mike, what if I want to tell you here is that, um, believe it or not, the role of priest sounds more fitting to you between the two of you for ductus. I'm going to tell you why. You said veteran, and you said that it's a dangerous place. Like, you're going to set the example and look out for everybody else. Well, the priest already does that. Mm. The priest's goal is to spiritually advise in the Sabbat and look out for, for the Sabbat anyway. They guide them, in particular, for their humanity loss to guide them toward a path that can give them solace and peace so they can be able to be the vampire they were meant to be and follow the edicts of the sect. They could get along to get along. Even if that's your, not your path, that is your point. And so, but you do that for your pack. That's, that's part of it. I would say that's the reason to be priest, but it's a lot more if you're up for the challenge. But, but Bob, if, if I'm the priest and I'm not in charge. Why would they ever listen to me? Now, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what you need a ductus for is a great question. Now, I'm going to point out something first. In V5, they do away with ductus. Goes mm-hmm. away. Now, they're going to tell you because it was pointless. That's what I heard thrown out. I'm going to tell you it's not pointless. It's because the direction the sect went was religious fanaticism without exception. That's where they went which means you can't think differently. We've chosen fanaticism, and in fanaticism, you do not get to say, I have a different way of thinking. 
because that's cut out. It's eliminated. That's why you see their packs are much larger in V5, and they typically have only one path that they all adhere to. They're all on it and driven towards that goal. Makes them more terrifying and makes them more villainous. Makes them more, um, as DJ put in the beginning, a caricature, and that's why you don't like them. Because that, that, that's definitely not Sabat, but that is the evolution of a sect that has gone that direction. So yes, I'm defending V5 and saying that you may think they went that direction and it's wrong, but that's because you're looking for the Sabbat that it was. And that's where they had a purpose for a ductus and a priest. The purpose of a ductus is what DJ said, somebody who wants to be in charge because they want to lead a pack and direct them toward objectives that the pack has agreed to, cares for, and are definitely Sabbat. And to make sure there's no lazy pack member. There are no wallflowers when you're the ductus. Everyone is all hands on deck. It's pick a side or get tossed to one. And it's the ductus that makes sure you're motivated to do it. However, it's the priest who is the brother's keeper who reminds the ductus when their tactics or antics aren't enough or need to increase. And it's the priest who tells the ductus when a punishment, even for the ductus, is now what's up on the table. Because you still have to be sabbat. The purposes of the rites and rituals in the Sabbat are ever to guide their packs towards success. They're not there to be uh, huge vampiric advantages by discipline. They're there to help the players understand the immediate vampiric consequence just, just doled out by the sect that they expect every pack to have in it as a form of discipline. And that comes down to the priest. Discipline comes in many forms, though. You can be lectured as a discipline. You can be guided toward an activity as a discipline. You could be, um, well, contrition rightus, you know, straight up punishment. Mm-hmm. And an example being made is a thing. But however you players choose to, to work that out or that priest chooses to do it, it should be within the guidance of the storyteller in front of the other players. What am I saying? Mike, you're not left to the wolves. You're not on your own. You don't have to figure everything out on your own. You don't have to feel that it's super important religious role guy is now left to the wolves with no one helping you. No, I'm your ST. I'm in your corner. I'm here for you to stare at that. I'm asking you to make an attempt into the big, great, unknown, that fearful step, but I'm going to provide the footing. You will never stumble. You will never fall. You will only ever move forward, but we're going to determine what look you want to keep when you move forward as priest, what flavor you want, and the most important, if there's to be a debate about whether someone should be punished or not, That should happen between the ductus and the priest in front of the pack or everyone included off the bat. In other words, a private conversation where your leadership works it out and then brings it to the pack and then it's them discussing with everybody else. And it is a discussion. Now, your discussion can turn violent. Welcome (laughs) to what the purpose of the Valdry is, is so you don't kill each other. Yeah. But does that mean you don't punch them out? I'm sorry. I'm married. And there's been times you've been like, man, I can't believe her. And she's gone, man, why him? You know, you don't mean nothing by it. It's in the moment. It's a quick flash in the pan of frustration, but you certainly don't want to bring everything down and ruin that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal. That's, that's all relationships, whether you're best friend, lover, whoever. That's how that goes. So, too, they establish a mechanic in the Sabbat pack to keep you together. Because it is not a trope that you're the villains of the vampiric world. So, to, mm, yes, and in character, the Sabbat think they're the heroes. 
and 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 no player, well, most players don't sit down at the table, right, and say, hey, I want to be terrible, awful, horrible fuckers because I don't get to persecute people enough in real life, and I want to be an awful son of a bitch in imaginary time, too. Really? So how do you... <laughs> <laughs> How you how do you get people to 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 recognize that they're the villains, but still get whatever that, you know, satisfaction is out of being the sect that really knows what's going on with the ancients and blah, 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 blah. I'm glad you asked. So you have to understand why this about is what it is. That's first and foremost. And real quick, quick points, right? What does it take to be a sect? Well, it takes a group of people saying we're a sect. I'll repeat that in case I lost you. It is complex. Um, if I'm going to perform the sect of Bob, I go, hey, Mike, hey, DJ, you want to step over here with your immortality and decide that it's our sect and everyone else sucks? <laughs> what do you say? You guys up for it? Yeah. 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 We got cake. We got cake, right? We could do that. Um, I hear I got a shepherd's pie coming. You want to do that too? We- I mean, yeah. Vegan, but I don't know what the meat is then. It's probably mushroom revamp. It, it, don't don't look behind the curtain. Just taste the flavor, okay? Um, we're making a new set. It's as simple as that. Well, Bob, how do you justify it? Well, let's step back further. Where did the Camarilla come from? Let me tell you. I have a theory, and it's my working theory. It came from the tragedies of humankind. None more obvious than the Black Plague. It takes a tragedy like that. When you realize the world hit a surplus where the cities were purposeful and were good, and all that was grand, but then the mortals stumbled and started dying because of a plague that wasn't you. Had nothing to do with you. But now that they're all dying, everybody's concerned with contracting this plague and killing over dead, a plague that doesn't affect you, the vampire. And you're these elders who had to figure out a way to not reveal yourself for so long that you had these remote locations where you were holding these hedonistic blood parties to kind of be yourself. For the first time, you exist in the open. You didn't have to worry about that. Now, how were you doing it? Your coterie got together, you met at your court, and instead of you throwing a party to convince people to show up to get brutalized, you are a hunting pack, and you actually get the thrill of running, using your speed, strength, and senses to hunt down and isolate prey that might have been sick or dying or whatever, to come upon them and to feast on them. But wait a minute. In your feasting, you come upon a party. It seems that the local riffraff has decided to take over this Lord Noble's estate because the noble and his entire family died from the plague overnight. And they finally succumbed to it. And they're eating all the food and they're drinking all the wine and they're throwing this party. They even have a minstrel who's quoting a off-the-cuff poetry to <laughs> death and how it's granted freedoms and life is now enjoyable, but how tragic because it's cost them their life in order to do it. And the world's coming to an end, so we might as well go out with a bang. Right? Hey, hey, let's go out with a bang. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, they still write songs about it, is all I'm going to say, is living that type of life. Well, when you're the elders who are sitting back in the darkness, and you were here to savage people, to enjoy this bloodlust, and you look and you see them partying, and they know they're going to die, oh, where's the harm in living it up a little bit? <laughs> and you decide to be human just for a little while. And you step down and you pretend to be Lord such and such. And you tell them, well, whose party is this? Well, the Lord died. Oh, tragic. Oh, thank God they're dead. And they look at you. Aren't, aren't you a Lord? Are we in trouble? Oh, no, no. My estate's fine. Hey, mind if I cut in? 
it's a beautiful wife here. It's not my wife. It's his sister. <laughs> As he points to the dead guy, you start dancing with the sister. And they're being, you know, bawdy and rowdy and they're getting into it and a bit hedonistic. And they noticed we didn't kill anybody at this party. We fed. There were corpses around. There was death. But we did it and they thought we were them. And we enjoyed their company for once. Can you imagine that? And then they stepped back and said, we could have killed them all, but what's the point? Instead, I'm inviting them back to my estate. It's like, why? I have them convinced that my estate doesn't have the plague. And ironically, it doesn't. <laughs> my retainers are fine and my herd is low, though. They're dying in the fields. But if I bring them back, for some reason, they don't have the plague. <laughs> so we'll bring them to the house and I have a vacancy. And if they can work the land, I, I think I'm building a herd. <gasps> what, Bob, you're expecting? Vampire Bob, is that what that means? Is that what it's like? <laughs> uh, close, we'll get to it and then go back and do it. Now, why? My little fantasy here that I took you on is because I said many of these instances had to have happened. Right? It's not just the bubonic plague that rocked the known world. That's the biggest one. But there have been other outbreaks. You know, typhus and even the cold and the normal flu did its damage wherever you're at. And those big events have a way of affecting the world. And the writers more than indicate that this changes the face of what's going on. But how does this relate to the Sabbat? That debauchery that you're attracted to exists for every vampire. It's not sect related. Mm-hmm. Your Amarilla agreed to a masquerade based off of what I just talked about. These people got tired of trying to create a party where they could do that and said, instead of creating one, we could have it always. And I don't need anybody around to enjoy mortals then. Because if they don't believe we're real, we could do this whenever in one rule. No witnesses. No truth. And if it doesn't point to us, we're okay. Now, this is important if you're Sabbat, because this is every reason you want to kill these alleged vampires. Because to the Sabbat, who cares if our food knows what we are? Now, Mike, that's the first point I want to tell you. They're villains because they're embracing that bestial half of them, that instinctual half to feed the urges they have. They're not falling to the wassail like a mindless beast. What they're saying is our pleasures are more than different and we've evolved. We are predators and we sit at the top. And because of that, why are we hiding? We don't hide. We are superior. And that's that. If it helps you, I think Magneto said it best, right? We are homo superior. They should cower when we come, right? And that relates to X-Men, a whole different world. But definitely the reason why he's the villain is because of how he thinks. And that's what it comes down to. We'll now expand upon that. The entire sect, which, by the way, I think did come from that little little thing there right there, because it fits too good. Right. You think the entire sect sees humanity as just cattle. Well, then you begin to understand why they focus, hyper-focus on just them and being a vampire. What they're saying is, if we run across mortals in the forest and we need to feed, we feed. We don't need to butcher them, but if they die, so be it. We see no crime in what we did. The wolf does not apologize for eating a sheep. It is what it is. And if the rest of the sheep figure it out, what? Are they going to come back and war with us? And they do. They'll send the police, which becomes a game to the Sabbat that are there. <laughs> oh, no, they've brought guns. And suddenly that Samisan horde form puts up its three arms or whatever it is and goes, take me in, <laughs> copper. Right? And then, you know, puff me. You know, but was being serious because they're trying to play a role called cops and robbers. It's a funny game thing that the packs do. And it's like, all right, cop, if you can arrest me, go for it. You know, or the priest goes, a reminder, we're mortals in this game. Oh, no, don't shoot me. And the cop shoots the Bruja who falls over dead. 
but then a couple <laughs> seconds later gets up. Is it a new round? <laughs> to terrify the police, but they were being genuine because their inhumanity is shown to this. This is a scene the storyteller is supposed to play up what the police would do, what they're reporting in, what's going on. That chaos, that shock, that scene, that is why you play Sabat. You're supposed to be those creatures that are out there that the camera would never do, at least not in that capacity. Mm-hmm. But this is the Sabat where they would hold it out in the open and that's that. But that's the Sabat and fun. They're just funning. That's what they do. They feed, no worry, and they're going to have their game that bonds those who are present with, with embracing and enjoying the fact that they're vampires. But they do have a purpose. What's the purpose of the sect, fellas? The Sabbat. Them goddamn antediluvians are out there. We got we to gotta take them down. Never be free so long as they're about. Now, where that may be the, the party line <laughs> that they're throwing out, we got to remember they didn't form because an antediluvian did some great wrong to them. Actually, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. They decided they didn't want to be the children who were cleaning up after these debauched parties their elders were throwing back in the day. And they no longer wanted to serve in that capacity, but they're bloodbound. They're enslaved. They can't break it. And one of the children in a line of them, right, because probably your sire made a couple on his estate. Because if you're Bob, I need one to tend to the fields. I need one to tend to the socialite parties. And I'm going to need a child to... Um, tend to my personal needs. Somebody good looking. This time a male. I'm feeling this century a strong male influence is needed. And uh, <laughs> I want to see how they look in my clothing and my finery. And I want to see how they stand up to the, do, do my philosophies from your matter this century? Do I have to change my game? And imagine being, imagine that terror. You're serving an entity like myself and you have to, you have to represent the, the modern era to me perfectly. And, or and, else. Your argument, and right, your arguments have to be sound and, and they have to be something that, you know, you have to know yourself and you have to know you're a vampire now. And how do you live with that and deal with this monster? And he has no doubt all these quirks you have to do and understand you're personally attending him. What's worse is he sometimes feed on, feeds on you when he's bored. When you do a mistake, he takes things out on you and his beast just predates on you. Now, some nights it might be a quick tug of your neck to the side, which actually fragments your spine nearly severs your neck but he knows the exact pressure to stop himself and you get to hear the inhuman growl as he has you pinned on the ground or along the wall and is slowly lowly growling in his throat as he's enjoying drinking your blood which your answer didn't suffice to titillate him mentally however he'll take the emotional gain from your fear and terror as he's slowly draining you not to kill you not to kill you because he needs you for tomorrow and maybe you'll learn more and that's the personal attendant. Well, what do you think out in the field? We got DJ out there who's just tending to the normal herd and the people who come and go and deliver messages and whatnot. Do you think, DJ, I give you a lot of blood? <laughs> no. Nah, probably I have you out there because you used to be that guy who was my personal attendant. And you're probably my eldest who I want to distance myself because in my paranoia as an elder, I just want you to get away from me. You know me too well. But that means you can answer my messages as they come in. That means you can tell them exactly how I'll feel to things that happen on the estate. And a lot of the minutia I don't care to be bothered with anymore because my humanity is what it is. You're like, yes, I know how Bobicus is going to be. Just go ahead and here I am. But then along comes Mike. Dun, 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 dun. And Mike goes, hey, you want to come out to this party? There's a lot <laughs> of us meeting in the woods and we're going to discuss some things. We're going to go feeding. Uh, I hear talk that we might even run into a lupine. 
some of us have to address that problem, but we, we can't do that alone. You know how that goes. And DJ's like, yeah, I hear about it every now and again. Sure. I'll be there. I can make time. But when you get out there, there's a great bonfire and there are people standing around and just throwing stuff in and someone daring another to jump over it. And they might do it. They're playing around with it. And why are they doing it? And you're hearing someone pro- profess that one must adapt and evolve and face their fears in order for the vampire to grow stronger. Man, what's this nonsense you're talking about? Turns out you have a metamorphosis in the group, which was a political movement from the Zemisi clan that turned into something more. And here they are during this time. And they're, they're all out there. Now, what I'm getting, all this stuff you can read and learn about and learn these little idiosyncrasies and see how they formed. But what you have is that you had the perfect storm. You had rebellious Zemis, a clan who was bent up in the Carpathians of warring on one, one another for fun. No contention. They had the most brutal things happen to one another. From sired to chilled out there as they were pitted against each other just to own some, some freaking farmland out in the Carpathians. By the way, they're anachronistic. They're not updating. So they're raiding villages, and eventually they're going to get down to someone who's tired of living in fear that once embraced, realize they have a chance because they remember their family to make a difference and do something. Well, before the the ways of the clan warp them (laughs) and they become something else. But their Dark Ages characters are great and well-written in a lot of their books, and you could see how they start as a mortal and get warped and twisted, and that's fun. But now you have to imagine when this Anarch Revolt hits, it's a bunch of Bruja who are sick of being downtrodden because the Ventru were doing their stuff in a tower and Tyler and Patricia Bolingbroke and all that nonsense. That's going on. You have mortals revolting against, revolting against royalty, and that's going on. You have people who are, are just tired of being preyed upon, and the Inquisition's coming around, and that's going on. Perfect storm for a rebellion is what we're talking. That spirit and essence of rebellion forms the Anarchs. It did not form the Sabbat. Everything we talked about are Anarchs. They're the ones who go after the antediluvian they have, and that's the Lasombra and Zemis. We know the real story. We didn't say successful, but they believe they were. Um, they, they go after and do what they do, but they come back telling these wild stories of that it can be done. And now we have a story and a reason to go after antediluvians in your sect, the Sabbat, a very hollow mm-hmm. one. But welcome to the reason you say that, Mike. Up into the modern, these are the enemies because we know what they did. These people kept us as polite children, chattel, and entertainment and didn't care what our existence was. We serve their women. We will rebel against that. Well, who didn't like freedom? <laughs> right? Who didn't like a little brave heart? Right. <laughs> and that's what this sounds like. Like an entire sect brave hearting up against these cruel elders. However... If you keep the camera rolling, you pan back to the to the elders who are being hunted, and they're like, "Is your little redheaded retard out there from the field with everybody else? Did he just kill someone?" And then your partner goes, "Well, yes, he did. He killed. I think it was Sarah, or was it Tiffany? <laughs> Why do I have eleven children of similar names? I don't. Know. Sarah's not Tiffany, Bob. That's one of them. They're dead. It's over there." It's too much land, I think. Yeah, I think when we have like a continent or a territory, we probably don't need to feed that much. Ah, uh, well, every century somebody cute's born. Am I right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but Bob, here's the problem. Um, they just killed Tiffany, who I believe was your second child. It's like, yeah, she was pretty potent. How did they do that? Hmm, you're right. I think for the first time I should get out of my stone throne. When was the last time I stood and your terrified DJs over there? 
I it, it's at least been 80 years since I've been here and you've never gotten up from that. Mm. <laughs> and then when you stand up, I stand up. He realizes that I, I don't walk upright. I do have a predatory gait to me, quirky, because my humanity is so low. I am a savage monster who pretends in his head that he thinks he might be something or other, but he's close to falling in a sail, but he hasn't been out to do anything to warrant that final push. Well, now he has to go check on Tiffany. But what do you think happened to that pack that stuck around saying, don't worry, Bob's coming. He liked Tiffany. And when <laughs> Bob shows up, he shows up like the damn devil. <laughs> Packs, plural, is what it's going to take to kill me, Jack. And you're only one. And so when I go out there, I wash you away like a, like a hide of ants. It doesn't matter. And the survivor I let go is just to tell everyone else that your little revolt is over. Give it up. And then it gets back to everyone else. And what do they say? Well, that's the guy to take down. We see what's going on. But after all, we killed an antediluvian. We can make it happen. Who are you? I'm Lugaj. Lugaj Bloodbreaker. Nice to meet you. There's <laughs> way. Come over here. Take this Valdry. Yeah, okay. Why? Freedom. Yeah. Who brought you to Valdry? Here's a tip. Be a good lad. Be a good lad. Tell no one. Okay. What am I saying? Um, that's deep, deep lore you don't need. But let's just say there's a reason they were able to break that blood bond. There's a further reason they were able to turn around and start killing people like the evil Bob Lord and go at it because they had the strength of blood from a mentor who was giving him the seeds and power to start a rebellion against elders of that ilk because it entertained. It entertained it. And that's where it came from. But the magical thing is, it goes like wildfire. Regardless of origin and how, everybody gets this fanaticism and this fanaticism that you can't lose is that we're here to rebel against an enemy that wants to live in slavery. So, oh my. So. <laughs> That's Mike Power up. By this, by, by this rationale, is there such a thing as a Sabbat pack that does not like explicitly devote itself to rebellion, hell-raising, and the murder of its elders, but still has a purpose within the meaning of the sect. So you would have to iron that out, right? You'd have to target what mm -hmm. others and what constitutes who has to go and who's staying. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't rebel for no reason, right? Nobody does. There has to be a reason. Now, the sect will tell you the evil ancient Vantadiluvian gods are going to rise up and eat every one of us. You're nothing but walking chicken nuggets waiting for the right sauce. <laughs> we got to take down the Camarilla Donalds. We got to remove them franchises or we're all going down in a nice happy meal box. Right. <laughs> That's what the Sabbat says. But I make fun of it because that is something to make fun of. Yeah. That doesn't keep you in the sack. That's like, oh, OK, so but can you can. Pardon me. Let me raise my hand in this pref conference. Um, yes, President Bob of the Sabbat, can you show us an example of an antediluvian blood god? Hell no, you gotta have faith that's there. Where do you think vampires come from? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I need a little bit more. And then Mike and DJ pull you to the side. Hey, look, man, I know you want to answer those questions. Let me point to you something real. Whether those are real or not, we all feel there's some truth to it. We don't know what that truth is. However, I'm an artist, says Mike. I could show you some things, ancient scripts, spooky words, 
might convince you it did me. At the same time, I still have my reservations because I'm still learning, I'm still exploring that way of thinking. And a lot of us not as are. Where we believe in Cain, we don't necessarily believe that there's these antediluvians necessarily that we have to contend with. But we do believe that there are elders who are not Sabbat. And that's what we can get behind. And because Cain wasn't, did, did Cain enslave Enoch, Zilla, no. and everybody else to dance with a tune? No. Here's the trick. You're nodding your head no, but what do you call a blood bond? I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure they were blood bound. Mm, we know, we know Zilla was. But like, okay, so if I'm Cain, fuck yeah, every one of them's blood bound, right? But isn't the, like, the myth that, oh, Cain loved his children so much and, like, fucking needed companionship. And so he took the wise and the strong and the beautiful to help him cope with having to live forever. That's, the, that's how you're supposed yeah. to feel about it, right? Yeah, but let me be, let me be, let's do something very real, very different. Bob went and found this new love in his life. And we used to all go out and party, right, DJ? We in NYC. Mm-hmm. We went to Korean BBQs every Friday. We attended the latest movie. We hung out and did the latest stuff. We played at Xbox Live and other things we did. We all showed up to work and made a mint. We're living it up. We're living it up. It's a party every night. It's a, it's a different partner every weekend. This is awesome. Now Bob doesn't do shit. <laughs> now he's never showing up. He's not even online anymore. He's just not man, let's go meet this girl his or whoever it is and come over and you come and meet this guy and it's not a girl. And you're like, well, that's shock number one. All right, what else is going on? It's like, man, turns out this dude's into like lifting weights and triathlons and he's got Bob and some crazy shit and Bob looks like he lost two of them. And he's sitting here now and he's got a different way of thinking and a whole entire different way of acting. He says, man, I love this dude. It's pretty cool. It's going good. We're healthy. We're happy. Everything's, how you guys doing? I haven't seen you in a while. And you're like, man. He used to be great. <laughs> Bob used to be working out, man. That's how I describe what you're talking about with Kane. Yeah. Right. And that's, Kane, that's, that's seven years, not 700. Correct. Correct. We're talking Kane was alone and came into somebody's life as being that random triathlon guy I described. That's my analogy. I was trying to hit. Mm, and then yep. when he came in, he plucked Enoch and pulled him to the side. What do you think Enoch's buddies did? The same thing I just described. What the fuck? Yeah, I guess that's there. But in this story, what do you think Cain did to his buddies? He said, oh, no, Enoch, go play with your friends. After all, you have appetites. And his mm-hmm. friend's like, like what? He used to like goat. We got plenty of that over here. Let's go get some shawarma. Like, relax, Enoch. Let's get over. And then Enoch's first night around a campfire. Enoch, why are you 30 feet away from the flame? I just, I'm, I'm cold. Bro, if you cold, get close. I don't want to get I too mean, close. No, no, I mean, I mean, I'm hot. I mean, I'm hot. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's jumping. And you, then you walk over and go, don't worry, man. I got this cloak, this new blanket I got. Throw it over you. Let me know what you think, man. That's yak wool right there. We got that yak line coming from Tibet. What you think? And then as you're there, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then I eat you <laughs> and leave you in your yak cloak dead. Right? Well, what do I tell everybody else? I move to another part of the fire and I go, ah, yeah, don't worry about it, DJ. Mike's just tired. Oh, okay. You sleeping sound? Yeah. All right. No big deal. And meanwhile, cold as Hagen dies. Frozen <laughs> out there dying with blood loss, right? And then you have a nice night with me and I leave. And you guys come to find out, man, something's up. Something killed Mike in the night. Bob is the last one that was there. Man, I don't know what's going on. So then five of you go to see Bob in the city and there's Kane. And what's Kane doing? What are you here for? And as they look, they realize terror for the first time. Why? What does a 7,000 year old vampire look like to a mortal who doesn't even know they exist. 
people complain about, I have trouble portraying charisma of four. I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah. How about 12 and we can't go higher because it's ridiculous. <laughs> what does that look like? You probably die of fright. Like who knows what that is if old boy can't contain it. Yeah. Now, yeah. what am I pointing out? The problem you should have in Antediluvians and the Sabbat, these entities exist. They're walking around and it's hopeless for you to oppose them. Yeah, because 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 the irony of the Sabbat story is that if they really cared about ancient, powerful er elders who are going to oppress them, they wouldn't let Polonia live and they wouldn't let Vikos live. And they that's not even accurate. That's not accurate. I'm going to contest that directly. Those people weren't born as is where you meet them. Oh, they're of course famous, not. but they're terrifying. So, so they're but, terrifying. but how did they should be terrifying by how they got there? Yeah, they, they're impressive. Uh -huh. They're heroic and impressive to the Sabbat. Because the enemies they took down and the conflicts they lived through made their name. That's why they're there. The only reason you care about Vikos is because he survived in the sect this savage. And in fact, the only reason anybody should care about Vikos is because he was Micah once upon a time and became Sasha by doing what? There was a meeting of elders that said, you anarchs will stop or we're going to kill you with impunity. Mm -hmm. And coward ass anarchs betrayed Vikos and everybody else there and said, yeah. We're going to come back because we miss our haven, but we got some knuckleheads on this side to think that they're, I, I don't know, guys, let's see reason. Let's come back now with all the elders here and they're willing to play ball. Right, guys? And you have like the founders of the camera going, of course, we'll play ball. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you come down to the Allied Universal and you shovelhead me and then you tell me the problem is old mean dudes, right? The first day that I see Balonius swing a sword? Uh, wait a minute, why not him? <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's... You, also, <laughs> you could say that, but my dude's saying, but I'm the hero, you always point up, right? So instead of pointing down, the good news about the Sabbat is there's always someone stronger, and I'm just trying to help you get there as well. In full circle, to let you know, where we're talking about the origin of the Sabbat, and we can get while they're formed, right? Because to yeah. finish that story, we know Micah <laughs> tears <laughs> off his junk and whips it at the new form Camarilla. Yep, his right? Jesus face. And become Sasha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he leaves as a new Zemis, following the ways of like metamorphosis forever is what people believe. And they tear off after him and others. And they're like, and what do those elders do? Hunt that son of a bitch and everybody like him. Because what happened? You just gave them what they were hoping they didn't have. Hmm. That was an upper echelon of heroes to follow. Yeah. Because that guy can draw a following. That act made him contend hardest stat and everybody else that was up there. And that's all he had to do. Well, ripping off your junk should never be easy. But the point is, <laughs> you do what you do, and you make a stand. You had Tyler of Bolingbroke, who made a stand. You had all these people who had hardship, were hunted, were villainized by these elders who overturn and come over the top of it that make that name. Now, you say, I'm brand new. I see Polonia out there in the field, and, and amidst this running and hunting, and I run into a guy like that. Now, we know Polonia is much later and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, but when yeah. you see him, how do I not flee the sex screaming? Well, the Sabbat is a process, doesn't it? And they have a mm -hmm. checks and balance. Number one, Valdry keeps you where you're at to at least mm -hmm. hear people out. Number two, your, your, your stopgap is your priest. Because mm -hmm. see, your priest DJ just trying to do it goes, Mike, I understand, but calm yourself. See, Polonia's <laughs> the example. He's where you were when he came into the sect. To be of him, though, you have to survive and prove your worth. If you can do that. And with our pack, I hope you realize there's a chance. We all want to be of worth. We're all fighting the same war. 
And then Mike goes, fuck, I could do that. We haven't shown you all that we can do, but in the Sabbat, we don't keep secrets of our power. We share them in pack. There are things I could show you. Let's go hunting. Let me show you the night and what you can do in it. And let's, let's get you acclimated. What seems supernal to you now, and indeed it is, it is not beyond what you can do in time. The love bomb. Wait a just second. Got a, the vampire just got love bomb. The vampire oh, love bomb. It's more than that. You just got to sort of enough herbal life in your life to get up to where he is. He's a super seller at Polonia. You want to get to where he is, you got to sell more herbal life, my dude. Yeah, and so that many products? And you got to figure, what are you hearing from people like Polonia? Like, there's factions in the sect that we'll get into um, for our patrons, but you got to remember, when you this opens your eyes further when you see why there are factions, because it answers the questions you're talking about. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. from loyalists to moderates to the orthodoxy, they all have different ways of seeing the sect as it is, but we're talking the Sabbat as vanilla mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. paper. They're showing you what's going on. And what they have to do is they have to show you the enemy. But that's why when you're embraced into the Sabbat, what's the first thing it assumes you've been through? Creation rights. Absolutely. Creation rights to what, though? Usually a shovelhead party. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We only shovelhead party when we're doing a war party or we're going after a crusade. Those are the two things. Someone's got to die either way. And we're taking perfectly normal sound people because we don't care who they are because they're cannon fodder. And yep. we're embracing them and telling them, you see us, we're the monsters that made you. Here are the pictures of the targets you have, or that's the building you have to wreck and kill everyone in it. We're watching you. And nobody gets out alive tonight. If you want to be one of the ones that survive, then be you kill the enemy. Who's the enemy? Anyone, not us. Everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Okay. Now drink from this cup and put your blood in it and follow the right as we tell you. Man, I don't want to do any ritual stuff. First guy dies. Mm -hmm. It's torn apart. Anyone else want to say no? Shit, I better follow suit. Bob's elbowing Mike. Man, shut the hell up. <laughs> Drink the blood. You know it smelled good. I don't even know why no more, but do it. I want to live. Okay. And then as we're flushed out into, man, run a shovelhead game for players. Have an ST do that and be one where you're in a mall and you don't know why. And the arm's going off and they shut the gates, but they, they know, the Sabbat knows, that there's some malk that's in there that they gotta, that's got to go. Or they know you got to raise enough attention to this mall that's still opening hours when they release you just shortly after dusk in order for you to kill all the people, all the police are being driven there, all the emergency services. That's probably where if it has to get there, the military will show up, but you're just a bunch of shovel heads raising hell. Yep. And everyone's in it. Well, why are you doing it? Cause we're pulling attention off the protections from the elders that would be in Elysium or vulnerable in their Haven or whatever they found. Cause those are the real targets. The real packs get to pull those cards and they're going out there because the is the prize what they know will lead them there, so on and so forth. There's a strategy to what they do. So it's not wanton for no reason. If someone must go, may it be a reason, whether that serves you on your path or serves your sect, may it be a reason. If you don't have a reason, then what are you doing it for? Right. Right. Because this also, right, because this is what exactly what justifies fifth edition version of what the Sabbat Pact is, right? You said it, Shovelheads are meant for war parties or when in times of need, but we had also spoken about during that period in time, when you create your characters, your characters are done because your character, your, your sire had chosen you for a reason. You even getting on that path, as you mentioned, I'll start off on humanity before there's a gradual need and want for you to become the vampire you should have always been. It just happens to be within this crew, right? What's the difference between a cult and religion? One pays taxes. 
right? Sabat. <laughs> I'm just saying, so Sabat's got paperwork. But, you know, when you don't do it correctly, or when you're thinking that you're only playing the caricature, well, then you get exactly what ended up in B5. With all you're getting are people just being like, all right, let loose. And it even tells you in B5 as well, you can't even accelerate how many people could learn or be enlightened in that fact because you just don't have the time for it. You, you don't. You just cut them loose, and that's exactly what happens. So when creating a pack, and especially if you're taking a look at that time period where we're like, all right, we're just, this is the type of sabat we want to play. You got to put forth the effort. You got to put forth the effort. Mm. And so at the end of the day, what do we say? Packs are easy, and we have many reasons to talk. We could obviously extrapolate. We're way over time um, when it comes to how deep we wanted to get into it anyway. Um, but um, the construction of the final piece, if you know what a ductus is for, and you heard what a priest is for, other than just saying it, we've given examples here as what they could do and where they're supposed to kind of pick their spot. We did not give you a formulaic, well, how do we do ritual X and how do we perform ritual Y? The book does that. The book mm-hmm. does that and gives you leeway to adjust the rite to you, except for the octoritis rite. Octoritis rite are the sect known rites, which means all the sabbat know how to perform them that way. And any alteration may offend someone for you to do it differently. But your ignoblest rite, those are personal or regional, meaning your pack can have their own methods of rites. And there's a whole slew of them. If you look in the first uh, first edition books where they list examples of all these rites and when to have them. And then later on, you get a player's guide that kind of just goes, just focus on these 12 and make up whatever you like and call them this, whatever. And then, you know, (laughs) have a book and ink big enough for doing Um, basically you watch them go. We're tired of giving you Sabbat stuff, though. You want Sabbat stuff. We don't want to give it to you anymore. And it's like, cool, then get the fuck out of the way for the people who want them and turn the rights over to them and have them make the book, you know, stand aside or get tossed to one is always my opinion. If people love the Sabbat so much, why are you doing the baby basic bitch amount of effort and then moving forward when you know there's money on the table? I'll give you the answer as T-Volt. There are a lot of smart folks who got together and got tired of hearing the excuses from certain companies saying, oh, we couldn't and didn't have time and wouldn't. And these people were like, well, here's what I feel. Here's what I feel would happen. And take it in the innocence it is. In other words, mm-hmm. you do have to mine a little bit and do a little research, but that's where you're going to be like, I agree with them. I don't agree with them. And use what you want. And the old tried and true method. Take the books you have, read for what they were, make them your own, and of course, move forward. But we're back to an analogy DJ said. The white sheet of paper. DJ, you want to say it one more time? <laughs> you give me the white sheet of paper and you tell me I can do whatever I want and why did I just do it myself? Done and done, right? Why'd I buy your shit in the first place if it was always going to come down to just what I choose? Like, I pay you. I pay you. <laughs> and that's what it comes to. And we're, we're going to leave it at that as far as that point. So, folks, we may continue this conversation as loose as it is about packs moving forward. Um, on, oh, yeah. Let me give this to you just so nobody can say I didn't complete it. What is everybody else's role in the pack? You may have missed it. I told you. You understand what the setting is for. That's why you made your character. When you make your character, your job is to come up with your ambition, your big target. Where And, and, and ambition is an easy way of saying, I might retire my character here if I can mm-hmm. do this. Your goal is the steps to get there. You can sign your goal nightly. You can make it however long you want to make it. But your goal should be a series of them leading to your ambition, always. And work with your ST to figure it out for you if you don't have it. But that's for you personally. Now, if you follow the setting and you follow the theme of the game you're playing, because that's what the ST is going to give you, the city, the backdrop, what's going on, then that should be all you need to make that character. However, when you get to your pack, now we're discussing as a group, what is our ambition as a pack? And what are our goals to get going with the pack that we want to accomplish? We gave you that info already. 
But putting it that succinctly should help you go, oh, okay, so that's done first and then that's second. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. And then your ductus gets to figure out how to marshal and use the assets that you're going to be using to move forward. In other words, making the, the calls when we got to move forward and do something, guys, this is what's going on. Or, hey, look, let's do a Valdry. What do you think, Priest, to, to kind of unite everybody? Tonight, let's take the night off. Let's go hunting. Let's do some. That's the ductus. That's like your feel-good fraternity brother leading the group. Your priest is someone who's going to oversee the rite when you're wrong as towards the sect and when your actions are not following the sect and when your spirituality is, is, is dwindling fast, trying to direct you down a path like my daughter's is, if you can hear her in the background. <laughs> um, so that's the, that's, the, that's the entire point of the priest and ductus in the pack role. So that's enough to go with. In my opinion, we obviously have more things to talk about in the Sabbat. We'll continue this in the Patreon. But we've uh, interrupted your werewolf stuff because we're, we're targeting werewolf books now. And I'm letting you know this now um, because we want it to be where it's less of a draw to go through. And we found in revisions is just more repeat sell books because we got a budget and better editors, it seems, <laughs> on some of the stuff. And, and they don't have much difference. So why go through that when we could just pick the books that matter? Like your Macaulay book is up next and look forward to that this month. And I know that's a great book to go through that a lot of people haven't even known existed. And may be shocked that you could play dun 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 Godzilla. You know, there's a way to wait. So we'll go over these terrible lizards later. That's up next. Everybody will get that. But uh, for the continuation of the Sabbat and the many things that go into the Sabbat, as we're passionate to talk about it, that'll be on Patreon. But I want to thank you, DJ. Thank you, Mike, uh, for being here and continuing uh, when we continue this conversation. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you, and uh, we're back. <laughs> and I can't remember the stop button. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM, at our email, info at 25 years VTM.com, on Facebook at www facebook.com slash 25 years vtm or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com if you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade